Hello, everyone, and welcome back and happy new year. How's it going? How are you? I've missed you. I'm so glad to be back, and I'm especially glad to be sharing this episode with you. It's called Holy Night with John Dunsky, and it's very special to me because Jonathan and I, although we are not related, uh, we both grew up Ukrainian Orthodox, which means we followed a different religious calendar, which means uh, Christmas fell on a different date. So a week ago today, Jonathan and I celebrated Christmas with my family and his family and um, friends, and we had the most wonderful time. And he is extremely passionate and knowledgeable about Holy Night Supper, which is Christmas Eve dinner, which is celebrated on January 6th. So if Christmas is on the 7th, then Christmas Eve is on the 6th. And it's a lovely episode. He's extremely, like I mentioned, extremely knowledgeable. So you're going to hear about all of these delicious dishes, uh, some of the history that goes with them, and most importantly, just celebrating those traditions of uh, family and friendship and fellowship. That is uh, truly a beautiful evening to all share together. And I'm excited to share this all with you. Yay! As always, it would mean the world to me if you could head on over to iTunes. Go to iTunes and uh, give me a five-star rating, a thumbs up, uh, a review, anything like that is extremely helpful because I'm going to keep on chugging along here, but I always need as much help as I can get. And I think that goes for all of us, right? We all could use a helping hand every now and again. And so that is the easiest and freest way to do that. You can give me a five-star thumbs up, gold star rating, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, specifically iTunes is helpful. And you can head on over to Facebook, where you can find me at I Think You're Nice uh, on Facebook, and you can give me a recommendation, assuming you like the podcast, and I assume you do because, hey, you're here. So head on over to Facebook, I Think You're Nice, and give me a recommendation. That's also super duper helpful. And join along at Facebook because I post fun little quotes, fun, interesting things, and beautiful pictures, and especially beautiful pictures can be found with me on Instagram. I think Think you're nice on Instagram. And I always have special, special, special content for my friends who are over at patreon.com slash I think you're nice. My patrons who I am extremely grateful for. Thank you so much. You really help me keep on keeping on because, as you can imagine, hey, podcasts don't make oodles of money uh, or any really. So my patrons are directly responsible for the reason why this podcast can keep on going. So thank you so much for the lovely, generous, kind patrons I have. And if you are interested in being a lovely, kind and generous patron, head on over to patreon.com slash I think you're nice for only $2 a month. You get outtakes. You get uh, time-lapse photos whenever I work with an artist. You get all kinds of lovely things, a sticker, a shout-out, and my never-ending appreciation and love. So hey, head on over to patreon.com slash I think you're nice and uh, yeah, see what's going on there. I truly, truly appreciate it. You can also get in touch with me personally, if you like, at sarah at ithinkyournice.com. Just go ahead, send me something nice. Tell me what's going on in your life. What would you like to hear about? I am all ears and I'm all here for you. Okay? Okay. Anyway, I love you. I'm glad you're here. And I hope you really enjoy this episode with my friend John as we talk about the yummy, yummy foods of, uh, of Holy Night Supper. There's a lot of garlic and a lot of onion, and it's all delicious. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Okay, bye. Hi, I think you're nice. Why, hi, I think you're nice. Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat, so let's chat, so let's chat. I think you're nice, so let's chat. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. And today I'm speaking with my friend John Dunsky about Holy Night Supper. Hi, John. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Uh, so John and I have known each other for, ooh, ages. Ages and ages. I knew you when you were just a child. Just a kiddo. Yeah, my mom did costumes for the Penn State Thespians, and you were in those productions, and I was... I was about to say dragged along to those rehearsals and shows, but <laughs> I wasn't dragged along. I was begging to go along. You ate it up. Huh? Oh, yeah. Spending time in the costume shop and meeting all the cool kid thespians. And I i mean, I really did feel like the coolest kid ever. I'm like, I have college friends. 
do you know what? I just felt like the coolest sixth grader ever. Right, right. <laughs> and you were the kid. Like, there were no other little ones around. It would have been kind of weird if there were. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, thank you. You all became my um, brothers and sisters, which I appreciated. My cool older brothers and sisters. And uh, uh, John and I are both... How do we phrase this? Because I wasn't... I was technically raised Orthodox. You're yeah. Orthodox. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um we didn't super duper go to church, though. Oh, I see. Your family was much more involved. With Pretty the church, much every right? week we were in church. Yeah. Yeah. So we were both raised a Ukrainian Orthodox, and we follow a different religious calendar, which means that we celebrate Christmas on January seventh, and Christmas Eve is a huge deal to us. Mm-hmm. the The Christmas Eve dinner, I dare say, is more important than Christmas Day. Because uh, Christmas Day is sort of like, do whatever, it's Christmas, have a fun time. But Christmas Eve dinner is very special and very traditional, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm excited. And John put on the most beautiful dinner ever just recently. We just had that three days ago. Yes, at this very table. At this table. Listeners, you can't see it, but I'll take pictures of it. Um, we're sitting at the table where it happened, and it's uh, lovely and has candles that... John actually poured himself. Well, yeah, that's not exactly Ukrainian tradition. I just I happen to make soy wax candles as a creative hobby. So yes, we are we are having a podcast in the room where it happens by candlelight. By candlelight, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's traditional and romantic. <laughs> so lovely. Uh, and John has done more research than any person ever on earth about any subject. Um, so his dinners uh, are amazing. So let's jump right in. What what is what is the Holy Night Supper for you? For me, the Holy Night Supper is connecting to my ancestors, connecting to my roots, but also a way to start the new year off right, mm. uh, and to invest in a meal that takes a lot of work yeah. and a lot of planning. But ultimately, is a labor of love, and I invite those closest to me to come to my table, and you know, taste things that they don't get any, can't get anywhere else, <laughs> at least not in New Mexico. Yeah. Um, maybe they've heard of pierogies. Maybe they've tasted a pierogi, a store bought one, or maybe they've had an authentically, you know, homemade one before. But all the other dishes are are rather obscure, and you know, give them a, a taste of healthy home cooked food. And the genuine night of of love and merriment and joy. That, that's what it's. That's what it means to me. That's lovely. Um, growing up in in my house, uh, my mom was a phenomenal cook and uh, home cooked meals every night of the week. And and at Christmas time, uh, there was the extra food, the extra special food. Yeah. And so you know, while she went to great lengths to decorate and and, you know, play the music and um, you know, really give us as much gifts as my parents could possibly afford. There was also the, that special food. So, so, so the tastes and the smells of the house changed as well as the look of the house. Oh. And um, as, you, as you mentioned in your introduction, we had two Christmases growing up. Yeah. Because we celebrated on uh, December the 25th. Oh, you and, did? Yeah. Well, as a child, that's when Santa Claus came. Oh, okay. And that's that's when the gifts were exchanged. Oh, okay. And then as I got older, you know, and 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 my brother was eight years older, so you know, when I when I matured enough to know about Santa Claus and mm-hmm. was buying my own gifts to give, then um, then you know we exchanged gifts on the twenty fifth. Um. New Year's Eve happened and so forth, but then my mom went into Christmas mode, you know, times two. <laughs> I'm sure. Because the second Christmas was about that wonderful Christmas Eve supper, Sviati Vecher. We called it Holy Night Supper. Mm-hmm. And um, and then uh, it was about going to church services, going to the priest's house and Christmas caroling. Hanging out at my auntie Dory's, so th- Christmas so caroling. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it was all about. It really was about. <laughs> oh, the chimes! The chimes, listeners. We're going to have chimes throughout this episode. 
take a drink every time you hear a chime. <laughs> this is chime number one. <laughs> but you were saying about your, your aunt? Um, my, uh, my auntie Dory lived across the alley from the priest, and so we would go to her house until midnight. It was a long evening of, of dining and worship and merrymaking and chit-chatting and visiting with friends and hoping to God Almighty that you didn't get snowed in because uh, yeah. without a doubt in Pennsylvania on, on Ukrainian Christmas Eve, there was snow. It was like, it was like I don't know, something magical. We always got <laughs> snow, a little or a lot. Um, but there was, it was always a white Christmas. Even if the first one wasn't, you can, you can be guaranteed the second one was. I would think of that as a kid because I, I loved having, you know, snowy white Christmas. We didn't celebrate the 25th. We would often travel for the 25th. We would visit um, our extended family who would celebrate the 25th, but we didn't really do anything. For us, Santa was on our schedule. I see. So he came on the 7th, um, which then it made so much more sense to him. Like, well, obviously he can make it to everyone because he has a broader schedule than you guys think yep. Think about. It's yep. not just one calendar, you know. Yeah. I was a very... Um, and what, he saved the Orthodox kids for last? He yeah, saved the, the best, best for last? Best for last, man. Right. Our presents were the best. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the lengths at which I, oh, I believe for a long time. Children, he's real. Um, so... Yeah, so this holy this holy night dinner we call it, we just called it Christmas Eve dinner. Mm -hmm. um, uh, to parallel your story, growing up with with my family, we uh, as a child child um, we used to go to my grandfather's house, we went to grandpap's house, and I remember every every surface being covered with hay. We covered the everything with hay. That's old world. That's yeah. that's really yeah, and and there's significance for that because yeah. your table represents the manger. Right. Oh, so we're we're the baby Jesus, or we're the sheep and like goats and stuff. <laughs> Don't really know. Um, but uh, I remember just long tables and everyone squeezing in and being at the kids' table and um, like elbow to elbow and all the cousins and everybody being all under one roof. And that house was so hot; they didn't have insulation or something for the pipes or that's what they said they had to keep the house hot so the the pipes wouldn't freeze oh and i mean i can't begin to tell you how hot this house was how many people were at this dinner oh god i want to say at least i mean at least 20 of us so 20 between... bodies in in the hot house yeah with all that garlic yeah oh all the garlic <laughs> oh yeah we'll get we'll get into that <laughs> But if everyone's doing it, then everyone's, you know, inoculated, more or less. Um, yeah, so this, this big, huge, terrific supper. Um, what, what we will get, get into this as we, as we speak on about the foods that you prepared. But every, every Orthodox take on it's very different, um, mm -hmm. depending on uh, what region you're from, what pr traditions have survived, mm -hmm. and just matter of taste and what you prefer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so what so what you make now is it similar to what your mom made? It's there are similarities, but I've I've diverged quite a bit. Okay. In terms of what I like and I've actually done some research and I've introduced a few things that are more traditional than even what my mom had. Now again, let's give let's give mom credit for being the ultimate teacher here. She before she made Holy Night Supper for us, she had to learn it because she grew up Pennsylvania Dutch. She's she's a Mennonite girl. That's right. And she married a Ukrainian Orthodox man. And that but you cross crazy kids. That meant she had to learn to cook his Holy Night Supper. And she her teachers were her sister in law, my Aunt Pauline, and our priest wife, Pani Helen. And both very good cooks. But that was the limit of like how she learned from yeah. two people, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and then she adapted it uh, and kind of stuck with the same formula for all the years. And that made it nice. You know, when you're a kid, mm -hmm. you know, you look forward to that one thing and it's always, you know, if it's always yeah. the same, there's that structure and, and you look forward to it. Um, as I became an adult and it, when I moved away to New Mexico and I had a craving for the Holy Night Supper, I looked around and I said, as a single man, well, who's going to make it? Mm, looks like me. 
Up to you, man. Um, and I was an okay cook, but I guess over the years, I was trying to think how many years I've been doing it now. It must be at least 15 years ago that I started to make my first dish. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked my mom, I called her up and I said, okay, how do you make borscht? Because I really want to make the borscht. So she actually, you know, there, there's a certain oral tradition too. Like she kind of yeah. knows how to do it or she has notes scratched out. So we, 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 she, she rechecked with our pani and we wrote it down and, and we got it all, you know, mm-hmm. mapped out. And that's where I started one dish at a time. And then year after year, I kind of added more and more and more. Um, but there's, um, the, the traditional, uh, Ukrainian Christmas Eve supper is supposed to have 12 courses. Yes. And I don't, I don't think I ever approach that, but I mean, if you add up the different kinds of cookies I put on the dessert tray, maybe, maybe it reaches 12. I think it does. But, um, in terms of dishes and, and at least in our house, we never had it as a, sort of buffet it was sort of a course by course especially oh. to get through the soups because you know sure. you can only eat one soup at a time out of out of the same bowl yeah but, so we kind of take our time going course by course you did that even as even growing up you did. yeah it was a sit-down dinner for all oh. of us um okay and so it took a while it was it was like a two-hour meal typically and I remember it was a sit-down meal for us as well, and but everything was, like, on the table, and it was, you know, pass it around, serve mm-hmm, yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only had one soup, and I'll get our soup out of the way and let the horror of this wash over my listeners now. The horror of uh, sauerkraut and sardine soup. So that's what... <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's what um, we had as a as a child. Child. That's what I was offered. I never. I did try it. I and believe. that's what you started the meal with. I, I don't know if that's what we started with, but that's <laughs> that's the first soup that I remember trying and being like that's that's mean mm-hmm. to it for a child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I can't imagine. Um, yeah. Well, I, I can imagine it, but I, I don't think I'd want even want to try it. It's, I mean, I'm sure it, the rest of the Hanchars loved it, or at least it seemed like they did. And um, I was given, I remember just the littlest bowl of it, and I would eat enough to or try it just to be polite. And then, mercifully, bread and pierogies were next, and buttered peas. One of the other traditions, in, when you mentioned sardines, it's, uh, fish was allowed, but it's supposed to be a meatless yeah. feast like a fasting feast and growing up I, you know, and, and having studied biology, I'm always like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Isn't fish meat? How is fish not meat? How is it's an animal? There aren't all animals meats. And so I had a problem reconciling all of that. But, but one of the other rules is aside from 12 courses is that it's a a meatless and dairyless. So in other words, in other words, you don't mess, you don't bother your livestock that are, that are living out in the barn. You don't you don't harvest anything from them. They get the night off. <laughs> I've never I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah. And that goes back to pagan times, you know. So fish I guess fish are caught in the wild. Sure. So you can eat those. Uh you can put honey in all your breads and pour it over everything you cook because that's from the bees which and- I guess were wild. I don't I know mean- if, I don't know if they were cultivated in the old country into hives like like we do now. Yeah. Um, don't know. But honey and fish were allowed, even though it was, you know, meatless. Yeah, meatless or, or, and dairy-free. Or, or animal-free. Um, they didn't have the word vegan. so No, not in the pagan days. Yeah, it doesn't even apply. But So, so needless to say, the, the meal is very um, good for your heart. <laughs> it's it's yeah. heart-healthy food. <laughs> yeah. It is extremely healthy food, especially once we, we start getting into the specifics of what's in these uh, dishes, they are, it is super, super duper healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to touch on it. So this, this tradition goes way back pre-Christian. We're talking pagan, Mm -hmm. like days of yore. Yeah. It was like a Yule kind of, uh, kind of a meal, uh, had something to do with the solstice. Mm-hmm. But as at, when the church came around, sure. then we kind of shoehorned it into a Christmas Eve supper and celebrating the same kind of here comes the light out of the darkness. We're getting ready yeah. for the baby to be born. Uh, we're, we're, and full of hope and 
that that's yeah. what the meal you know represented still represents for me mm-hmm. you know beginning of a, of a new page uh winter is uh is going to dissolve away in a few weeks and here deep in the middle of winter let me let me heat up my kitchen and light the candles yeah and come in sit around the table and let's let's raise a glass let's have some wine and uh and know that there's better things to come yeah, for for me, I didn't realize this until probably I was in college, but New Year's didn't really begin. The new year for me didn't really begin until January 8th. There you go. Like that There you go. That symbolized like, okay, the the holidays are complete. Here we are. Now we're rolling forward mm-hmm. with this goodwill behind us. Mm-hmm. Um and also I wanted to mention the smell of this meal oh. is unlike anything <laughs> in the world. It absolutely <laughs> smells like Christmas. Um, so listeners think about what you think Christmas smells like and how enchanting and magical that is. And this meal, uh, has a very distinctive smell because there's a lot of oodles of garlic, garlic and onions, garlic and onions. Mm -hmm. Those would be the, the primary generators of the aromatic. Um, but then there's all the other herbs and and things that you put in your foods and and the mushrooms and, Mm -hmm. and cabbage, but hold on. Don't think like, oh my gosh, stanky cabbage. Cause it's not stanky Mm -mm, cabbage. mm -mm. It's been delicately prepared. And why isn't it so stinky? Is it because there's so many other things with it that overpower it? Um, (laughs) Overpowering cabbage? uh, Yeah. I think, I think the amount that it's cooked, it's been, you know, it's, it's been cooked into this buttery, silvery, slithery, you know, just lovely uh, vegetable that almost doesn't taste like a vegetable. Almost takes, almost tastes like there's that stuffing is wrapped in it in some kind of prosciutto, you know, because that's the texture of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're talking about stuffed cabbage leaves now. Well, but. shall we jump in? Let's let's stop. Let's talk about the first course, which is soup, and let's talk about the first soup that you like to prepare. Well, the three soups, uh, the three soups that I like to make are the the brown one, the green one, and the red one. <laughs> what a beautiful way! Of well, that's how you introduce them. it to you know. <laughs> When when you're bringing your your significant other to their first meal, yeah, right, uh, and you, you don't want to you don't want to overload them with having to pronounce the proper name of it or like, Try you know, guess. maybe they don't like red beets, so you don't want to tell them that it's full of red oh, beets, yeah. Because here's the other rule, and this is not necessarily Ukrainian tradition, but in the Dunsky House tradition, mm-hmm. you have to you have to take at least a little bit of every course Mm -hmm. you have to taste everything so you know even if even if you just hate mushrooms you still gotta gotta take at least a spoonful of the mushroom soup yeah so um so the brown soup obviously is the mushroom soup okay and uh a lot of ways to skin that cat but (laughs) and here's a funny story okay growing up uh naturally so many courses to make uh, my mom got whatever help she could. Mm-hmm. So it was Aunt Pauline's job to bring the mushroom soup. Okay. She made an excellent mushroom soup. Thanks, Aunt Pauline. It was, it was like slightly thick and just this rich brown color. And uh, it had a little bit of barley in it for Ooh. just a little bit of texture. Yeah. And it went down easy. It was, it was mostly broth. There was a couple of, you know, chunks of mushroom that you got every now and again. And everybody, it was everybody's favorite. It was just savory and wonderful. Well, years later, when I was putting together the recipes for myself, uh-huh. and also to kind of make a cookbook of all my mom's best dishes, um, we we put our hands on mom turned over Aunt Pauline's recipe that uh-huh. she had found. That Aunt Pauline had written it down. The chimes. The chimes. Here come the, the chimes. chimes. <laughs> it's perfect timing for Aunt Pauline, for Aunt Pauline's recipe. <laughs> yeah, may she rest in peace. God bless her. Oh, um, the chimes for you, Aunt Pauline. But what was so savory about her dish? What made it so savory? Mm-hmm. A couple of cubes of Wilder's beef bouillon. <laughs> So in this vegetarian, in, yes, in this meatless fat. Well, yeah. in her mind, you know, there were she didn't have to, she didn't have to, you know, cook any meat. There was no bone, there was no gristle. It's just a little powdered cube little of powdered, goodness. Yeah, that's what made it taste so good. 
That's why. Yeah, that's why it stood out so so strong in your mind. Is that? <laughs> Bless her heart. So so we found out about it. Actually, I don't know. It kind of leaked out even before. Um, I think it, I think it leaked out at a dinner that we were having. Mom oh. mom let the secret out and I'm like mom, don't you know what Weiler's beef bouillon is? Anyway, <laughs> so in in kind of approaching more authentic, I did. I did some research, and and for a while I was using Anthony Bourdain's mushroom soup oh, uh, okay. recipe, which was actually kind of based on how the French eat it. It was full of butter, mm. um, and so this year, uh, since I've been such an avid uh, reader of a Facebook group that I've been part of called Ukrainian Recipes, excellent. Um, I found an actual vegetarian, actually vegan. Uh, mushroom soup recipe. Yeah. And we tried it this year, and I think everybody agreed it was pretty darn tasty. It was awesome. Uh, by Irina. Great job, Irina. Yes, somebody named Irina offered up this uh, this wonderful recipe. It was it was a lovely soup. You had multiple types of mushrooms, though. Didn't you have dehydrated mushrooms? and? Yeah, it, it called for both dried and fresh mushrooms. And um, the dried mushrooms were porcini, and that's actually part of the... But I've already had uh, dried mushrooms that were like a mixed variety, and I mean, I, I guess you could use really any wild mushrooms or any any mushrooms. Once they're dried, they're like the the, uh, the flavor is condensed, and it's just this intense. Mm. So you only need a little bit of the of the dried, and then uh, and then, okay. then the rest of it was the rest. The bulk of the mushrooms were fresh. Yeah. And you added some barley if people wanted to add barley. Barley I serve on the side. I don't yeah. actually dump it in. If I if I put it in it and simmered it with it in, then that would make a thicker broth. Yeah, it would. But I enjoyed more of a of a thinner broth. It's mm-hmm. just brown from the mushrooms and the and the sautéed onions. There's yeah. that of all the three soups that has the the highest garlic profile. Oh, it's got like four or five cloves in the pot, and um, and the other ones the other ones have have less. Uh, some carrots, some celery, and it's, yeah, it was just this yummy, earthy goodness to start the meal off with. Yeah, it was a beautiful way to, to begin the meal. Yeah. And then uh, John sets a beautiful table uh, with plates and bowls and many utensils and goblets and what have you. Um, and uh, But you clean, you eat your bowl, you clean out your bowl, and then boom. Put more soup in it. Yeah, the next soup arrives yeah. right in the bowl you began with. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> which makes sense because there were twelve people here, <laughs> which mean, kind of enforces the rule. You have to. You have to. You have to finish it. <laughs> you have to you, eat what you've taken. You and, do, and uh, you have to try everything. Well, once. <laughs> everything was delicious, so it wasn't a hardship for anyone to eat anything. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the green soup. The green soup, uh, green like the Grinch. Uh, what could possibly make soup green? Can uh, can your listeners imagine what would a soup Wasabi. that's entirely no wrong continent <laughs> or right continent wrong wrong cuisine wrong cuisine uh, um, peas yeah split peas split pea soup so again a, a dried thing these are all things that that folks living you know in in the old country living on a farm or living in rural Ukraine. An agrarian society, they would have put up for the winter. They would have had dried peas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you put those. Well, again, you begin with your garlic and onions. Of you course. Saute those in the pot and some and some um, olive oil, and um, and then you add your water and your your peas, and you just boil those till they're mush, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever herbs you like, but in another pot, uh, I. I take a, a store bought again they would have they would have made it on their own, but I take a store bought sauerkraut. Yeah. And rinse it, boil the bejesus out of it, uh, just simmer it. Mm-hmm. So you, it tenderizes and it gets a lot of the sour out. See, that's a, a pro tip, listeners. If you are like, blah, sauerkraut, um, I like a stanky sauerkraut. Like I like it sour and like pow. However, I've just learned this trip that you should rinse it and then simmer it, mm-hmm. and that will make it richer. I guess I'm like I like the 
the tanginess yeah. of it. Well, it, that also uh, keeps a lot of the probiotic, keeps a lot of things that make sauerkraut healthy, is oh, okay. if you eat the sour. All if right. you keep the sour, it's actually healthier for you. Boom. That's but, why I'm doing it. But in, <laughs> in a soup, uh, I like it. In this particular soup, I just like it for the texture. Yes. Uh, that Just that little ripply, you know, it's, it's almost like a noodle, right? It is. Um, yeah. But it kind of melts in your mouth. When you uh, when you're eating the pea soup, plus it still has it still has some of that tang yeah. in there with it. So yeah. the, the pea soup, which uh, what word do I want? It's it's a mild you know mild soft taste, and then you have like pew pew yeah. a little bit of the the sauerkraut. That one I think was my favorite soup. Of and the, of if the you day. look at some uh, menus of of Holy Night suppers, sometimes it's a side dish. Sometimes it's actual sauerkraut with actual peas in a dish oh so it's so there's no broth right um oh, i think i would eat that all the time well i i'll, I'll find a recipe for you on the facebook group because okay. because that, that's an option um peas for, and for us however it morphed i don't know if it was a certain region of ukraine where my grandmother or somebody learned that yeah. you know the peas and sauerkraut actually become a soup um, but it became the maybe green. Maybe you should thin it out. It's maybe to make it last longer. Make it last longer. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. But I'm into it. And then next is my fa- my dad's favorite. Yeah. The, yeah. the red soup. Yeah. Uh, borscht. Borscht. And and maybe you think, I don't know if your listeners think of, think of Russia when they think of borscht. But mm-hmm. in the reality, uh, Russian borscht is... Is white. It's like almost like a potato soup. Okay. Uh, it's the beets that make it red, and mm-hmm. it's the Ukrainians who use the beets. Yeah. In borscht. Use the beets. And just like there are many different dishes you can put in a holy night supper, there are many different recipes for borscht. I, Jonathan sent me a lot of uh, reading for for the holy night supper. Uh, and one of them referred to borscht as a tour de force. Yes. Which makes me laugh because <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard a soup or a stew referred to as a tour de force. But there are 700 variations of borscht. It's everything in the kitchen sink It's or it's a finessed, very particular pursuit. Um, so it is... Well, so tell me about your borscht. Well, because it's holy night, mm-hmm. uh, it's meatless. Yes. And it's it's, right. it's it's not made with any bone. You don't I mean some borscht if it's very savory, you would you would boil, you know, some bones and some some hocks of or some, you know, just some parts of animals to get that mm-hmm. umami uh yeah, get that flavor savory. into it. Uh what 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 my uh Pani's recipe uses is to to get that hardiness, to get that base so it's not just you know, sweet vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, what gives it its 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 basement, its 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 roots, is again dried mushrooms. Okay. Yeah. So so dried mushrooms are part of that stock, and and I always start with a homemade soup stock for that one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll add. Oh, one of the things I didn't mention in the mushroom soup is I did use a boxed broth. Oh, okay. Uh, to put with it. Beef broth, I'm Be- sure. Uh, <laughs> no. No. In fact, um, I don't know. Can we name drop? Are we, are we, are we allowed yeah, to have sponsors? Yeah, I don't have a sponsor yet, so let's uh, see if they can hook me up. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine is the name uh, brand name of the soup stock, and it's their no chicken broth. No chicken broth. No chicken broth. I uh, love that. vegetable no chicken broth. Yeah. So so that I think that was also like the secret ingredient of mm. making that mushroom soup so good. Yeah. In the borscht, uh, I used homemade. So all year long, whenever I make a salad or whenever I'm cutting the the butts off the celeries and mm-hmm. and the eyes out of the potatoes and uh, the 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 skins when you're shaving off a carrot when you're peeling a yeah. carrot, uh, put all that in a plastic bag. Okay. Keep it in the freezer. You've been, I mean, we compost. In Seattle, we compost. So all that would hit the compost. No, no. Well, before you put it in the compost, yeah. you freeze it, you keep it, and when you have the whole freezer gallon freezer bag full, uh-huh. you cook it and you make stock out of it. You, uh-huh. make, you, you make vegetable stock. And after you cook that down, then you can throw that stuff out and you've, you've extracted it. the flavors out of it. 
and then because making vegetable stock is no mean feat because it takes a lot more to get out of veggies. It would does. You say? It does. Yeah. But but you know just whatever veggies you have for the last three or four months in your freezer bag and a little bit of salt and coriander, whatever spices you like. Yeah. Maybe a little thyme. Spice it up, herb it up. Because um, you're always, whatever you put it in, you're always going to add more spices, mm-hmm. but just have a basic stock. Yeah. So that's what that's what I use in my borscht, as well as, okay, it's not really a kitchen sink. There's a formula because you put in uh, a little bit of cabbage, fresh cabbage. Okay. Uh, you put in uh, celery, carrots, potatoes, um, the dried mushrooms we mentioned, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you you basically make a lovely vegetable soup. Yeah. Notice I haven't mentioned the beets yet. I have noticed. Okay, why haven't I mentioned the beets yet? Because they're not in there yet. No. <laughs> when do they go in? Last. V- way last. Way very, last. Very last. So you boil all those, um, uh, you, you bring all that to a boil and you simmer it until all those veggies get soft and tender and ready to eat. It's kind of like you're making vegetable soup. Mm-hmm. In a separate pot, you've taken whole beet or a couple of small beets, a pound, and um, you boil them till they're done, till they're soft. Then you peel them. Then you dice them, or you could shred them. Oh wait, so you you cook them before you dice them? Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. Because you want to keep you want to keep that skin on, because you want to keep all that beautiful pigment inside, <gasps> oh. not exposed to the boiling water. All right, so okay. you, want, you want to soften the beet, cook the beet, but not denature the pigment. Okay, denature the pigment. That's the is that is that your biology coming out? Maybe. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't know if the pigment is an actual protein. We denature proteins, but I'm not sure if denaturing pigments is an actual thing. We'll have I just a, mentioned we'll, that. We'll definitely correct that if that's wrong. Correct. No, we won't. <laughs> it's perfect. So. Okay, so you've boiled it. You've peeled it. You've diced it and then you turn you turn off the simmer on the soup uh, and and then you just lay in all of all of the beets mm-hmm. stir it around and maybe you keep it on really low but you don't ever want to boil that soup again okay because if you boil it you're going to start killing off the pigments and you're not going to get the magenta you're going to get like a brick red oh so you yeah you want like a fuchsia magenta yes. red you want it- that bright Bright, lovely red. Yeah. Ev- with every bowl that you that you take. So, so if you get a brick red uh, borscht, it's been boiled. It's been boiled. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing that you do is you add a little lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep that broth on the acid side. That'll help maintain the pigment plus a nice bright color. But the characteristic uh, spice or herb in borscht is dill. So at the very end, oh. at the very end, you had a big, big batch of dill to give it to give it that character. Yeah. So that's our borscht. That's our Ukrainian borscht. And it's a lovely, lovely borscht. Yeah. Um, lovely. So that's the borscht. As another quick side story, uh, John also is very generous and lets me stay with him during these wonderful times. And uh, my folks usually stay nearby, and they come by in the morning and. Um, John asked, well, do you want to tell the story? Sure. Uh, one time your, your papa came over and I said, Harry, uh, what, we got lots of food. Uh, I got lots of breakfast food. What can I fix you for breakfast? He said, without missing a beat. Uh, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Harry says, got any borscht? I'm like, of course, I, you want borscht for breakfast? He's like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> so uh, that was the ultimate compliment when yeah. when my, you know, my, my Yuki friend uh, who's, who's, let's face it, he's eaten some borscht in his life. He sure has. Uh, that he wanted it for breakfast. Yeah. So. yeah. Borscht for breakfast. Borscht for breakfast. Um, that's a hard pass for me. But I, I love, I do love it as a part of, it's silky. However you do the mm-hmm. rest of the vegetables mm-hmm. and everything, it's really silky mm-hmm. and lovely. And it's a delicious vegetable soup. And it's a really pretty color. I love and it. And as it turns out, it's, it was Princess Diana's favorite soup. That's right. He sent me that, that 
article. Recently, I don't know, someone came across old correspondence, correspondence that has never been seen before, Mm -hmm. where someone was uh, replying on her behalf. It was her office writing back to someone talking Uh about, uh, thank you for asking the question. Princess Diana's favorite soup is borscht. Thank you for asking the question. Yeah, apparently somebody, like, a, I don't know, fans write in or, or yeah. people write to what's the your princess. What's your favorite food? What's the princess's favorite food? Borscht. So she had people writing, but, but replying to every, you know, inquiry yeah. that she got. And, On uh, her behalf. Yeah. That, it, her favorite soup in the whole world was borscht. There's borscht. Uh, it's a tricky soup to eat because that's bright. It's a bright mm-hmm. food. You said uh, John was preparing dinner uh the Christmas Eve dinner, who's wearing a white shirt. Yeah. And not a spot on it, listeners. Yeah, yeah. Not one dot yeah. of anything on you. Yeah, it's because I made borscht the day before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a shirt you can wear whilst making or eating borscht. And if you notice when it, when it came to actually serve the dinner, mm-hmm. to serve the borscht, I had yeah. on a red shirt. You had on a red shirt. <laughs> Safer for everybody. Lovely. So those are our three soups. And have we been saying their proper names this whole time? Well, or you know, they don't have the one? only Ukrainian name I know is Borscht. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the names of the mushrooms, there are names. I No, that's fine. We never that's call okay. them by those names, so I don't They're actually know. They're the brown, the green, them. and the red. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. That's great. This year, uh, even as kind of like the appetizer or the predecessor of the, of the soups, I did serve kutia. Kutia! Which is uh, something we never had growing up. Mm-hmm. But again, in my research in the Facebook group, uh, I learned from from the moderator of that group, who is really knowledgeable, but she's also kind of staunch about some things. Yeah. And uh, her rules about, uh, at least what she says, are the traditional um, things that every Holy Night Supper has. Otherwise, it's not Holy Night Supper. Okay. Oh, wow. Otherwise, the whole thing is null and void? Golly. you got to have two dishes. Okay. And the first of those two dishes is kutia, mm-hmm. which is boiled wheat, basically. Whole berries of wheat boiled into a porridge and then flavored with poppy seed and honey. Yeah. And that's very simple. Very simple porridge. Um, and there's, a lo- again, a lot of recipes for it. I made mine in the slow cooker. And... Um, you know, it, it would be bland if you didn't sweeten it with honey or have the texture of the poppy seeds. It's delicious. You did a really nice job with it. Because mom mom makes that one. And hers is a little on the on the bouncier side. She does it out of out of tradition, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. She, I guess she must innately know about this moderator. Yeah. And know the importance of having this yes. food. Yes. Uh so the kutia. Um According to, to tradition, it's the food of the gods. Oh. And plural, gods. Oh, so it's, it, this probably goes back to pagan times, obviously, right? Yeah. 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 And d- didn't you mention that part of it, the tradition, is if <laughs> you take a spoon of it yeah. and fling it to the ceiling? Yeah. The head of the household uh-huh. at the beginning of the meal, uh, <laughs> you know, before serving the kutia, uh-huh. takes a, a spoonful of this porridge and flings it at the ceiling. <laughs> and if it sticks, means good luck for the year. My now, don't get me wrong. I love flinging food. I think that's great tradition, and I think that's wonderful. Why does it have to be on the hardest part to deal with? Right? Like, why couldn't it be like throwing the spaghetti against the wall? Yeah. Like, you can clean the wall. Yeah. I'm saying do it, but maybe not the ceiling. But but we are interpreting that from our 21st century idea of a ceiling. True. What would their ceilings have been? That's true. Much lower. Would they, or, ha- would, oh, would, would, they, would they have been wooden planks? Because they, they certainly weren't sheetrock paint with, with paint oh, on them. Oh, no. Right? Would they have been higher? Would they have been wooden planks? Would they have just been thatching? Thatching is what came to mind. Like, we're in New Mexico, so I have a lot of adobe on my mind. Yeah. Um, probably. So, so try to get a, a lump of porridge to stick into thatching. That That's yeah. That's tricky. Still, but again, <laughs> you have to get it out of there. <laughs> you may be lucky, Maybe. but then the bugs come. Well, that's <laughs> bugs, true too. Yeah. That's true. It would attract all kinds of. But yes. Leave it to me to right. always worry about something. That's my special <laughs> gift. Um, but your the kutia was was really lovely, and uh, 
Yeah, I think you gave my mom a pro tip about the uh, hot or the, um, the slow cooker. The slow cooker. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So we've gotten through four. We've had kutia, three soups, and what was next? Was it the um, halupki? Yeah. Yeah. I call that the entree, right? The mm-hmm. it's it's got the certainly the the most calories per density. Yeah. Um, but it's stuffed cabbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holupci, halupki. It all depends if you're Polish, Ukrainian, or what region you're from. Um, but there's many ways to stuff a cabbage leaf. Mm-hmm. But on Christmas Eve, uh, instead of ground meat and rice, you would have something like either mushrooms and rice, or in my case, um, the buckwheat and rice. Yeah. Buckwheat, otherwise known as kasha. 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 So um, I cook up the kasha according to the recipe on the box, but add a special uh, couple of, or maybe three or four tablespoons of smoked paprika. That made such, that that made it extra delicious. Well, it makes it taste like bacon. Yeah. It added, a, it, smoke, it added a smoky heat to it, more so than bacony for me. It okay. was a smoky, it was a smoky heat that, um, uh, the texture was astounding. I always love uh, hulki. I think it's one of my favorite dishes from from the, you know the old country. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we, I think mom usually does a mushroom a mushroom one, and it's super with delicious. rice. Yeah, mushroom rice. And mom, correct me if I'm wrong, but something tells me like tomato. No, 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 no. She does. She does that. Well, there's a, different. There's a tomato sauce that is poured over top for the baking. Yeah. So it, okay. it may is have a, it may have a, a tomato kind of you know glaze on it is maybe where I you're think seeing that's the what tomato. I'm of. Yeah. 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 Lots of onions too. Yep. Always. Yeah. Just assume everything. Yeah. <laughs> and a little garlic. Sure. Why not? Sure. Uh, but the rice that I use in mine, and this might be a this might be a, I might be giving away. Oh a, no. A, 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 John Dunsky secret. Secret? Here. You don't have to. We can hit pause. And it, but it's another product placement, so it might be good. For oh, your, right. Might be good for your sponsorship. <laughs> uh, Trader Joe's makes a certain medley, a wild rice medley. Oh. That is uh, brown rice, black rice, and radish seeds. Radish seeds. Radish seeds. So there's when you cook up those little round beads, uh-huh. they actually have like a little crunch, That's a little pop. What those were mm-hmm. a little texture in there. So it's not just mush because if it were just rice and kasha, it yeah. would just be a, you'd slice through it and it would just be a solid kind of starchy, yeah, you know, starch loaf. Yeah, <laughs> starch loaf. That's my band name from college. <laughs> Actually, starch loaf is just my goal in life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I like it with the radish seeds. They give a little a little yeah, something. Yeah, a, a little, little something. Absolutely. Texture. I, was, I had forgotten about the popping of the, the starch loaf mm-hmm. of the uh, radish seeds. Yeah. And that smoked, you say paprika. Aren't you fancy? Well, paprika, because I lived in Hungary for a year. And, <gasps> that's and right. And that's how they say it there, paprika. Paprika. And then we have the one I think most people would be familiar with. Pierogi. The, the pierogi. But if you're Ukrainian, it's vareniki. Never once had my family, have I ever heard my family call it that Vareniki. <laughs> pierogi is, or pierogi, is really the um, uh, more uh, Polish regional mm-hmm. uh and it's all the same. It's a, a little dumpling of dough mm-hmm. that's pinched around some kind of delicious morsel of filling, boiled, mm-hmm. and then fried in in usually with onions and uh, sometimes in butter. But again, on holy night, I don't fry them in butter. Fry them in canola oil. Yeah. Keep it meatless or keep it dairy free, and. Um, and this particular year, I made two varieties mm-hmm. of pierogi, one stuffed with potato and cheese. The ma- more traditional. Mashed potato and cheese. Pretty traditional. If yeah. you've had a pierogi, you, it, you've probably, probably had a potato or potato cheese pierogi. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was prune ginger. That was a, That's the first one you had me try. Yeah. Was it prune ginger? And I wasn't expecting it. And I'm like... 
my mouth was very confused because there's, <laughs> there's what I know, what my brain knows. And Rudy has just joined us. Oh, here's the dog. Rudy, the good boy. Here's the handsome dog. handsome boy. Hi. He just woke up. Hi, did you just wake up from a good nap? Um, so you might hear clip clops of little paws. Uh, yeah, so I was really surprised by... I wasn't, my brain wasn't ready because I was ready for cabbage or any number of... You were ready for savory. I was ready for savory. And you got this big old sweetness. Yeah. And it was lovely. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. And that, well, in, in Ukrainian, I think uh, a prune, like a prune sauce or a prune preserve is called lekvar. And sometimes you get them in cookies. You get that, you mm. get that uh, nice puree of prune baked into a cookie. But why couldn't you put it into a pierogi? And so, um, kind of a hack, I just took uh, some prunes and poured a whole bunch of Trader Joe's <laughs> triple ginger brew. Uh-huh. You know, they're, they're very, very, you know, uh, they're, they're soda that's mm-hmm. triple. And poured it over and just simmered. Simmered and simmered and simmered. Uh, got a lot of the moisture out of it and then put it through a food processor. Because it was so, a lovely texture. Yeah, it was just it was just his silkiness, it was, wonderfulness. Yeah, you could put that on toast. You could put that mm-hmm. on anything. Mm-hmm. That was so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Perot. When I moved to Seattle, my we had Christmas dinner at my house, and uh, I am not a cook. I am, uh, nor do I have the ambition to do what you do. <laughs> so uh, there's a a number of places to get. There's actually a place called Poroshki Poroshki which is excellent. Um, but we went to Podoshki on 3rd, where they made uh, pierogies and the halukki and all kinds of lo- lovely things. And they kept referring, I'm like, they keep saying dumpling. All over the menu, keep saying dumpling. No, Nowhere is the word pierogi involved yeah. or something similar to right. pierogi. And it's making me insane. I'm like, who calls it a dumpling? Yeah. It's <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, I realize that I need to relax, and not everyone knows what a pierogi is. Yeah, but come on, give people some credit, because, you know, yeah. we learn the word shumai when we have that kind of dumpling, right? That's called shumai. Oh, see, I'm what is what is shumai? It's 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 a rice, uh, like a, a rice paper dumpling. Oh, uh, so, that's so, called a shumai? So, so it's from Asian, Asian uh, cuisine. Okay. And it could be stuffed with a number of things. Veggies or meat or whatever. So, now so I that learned. dumpling has its own name. You know what? Now I feel bad for all the dumplings that I call dumpling because they all obviously have other names that aren't dumpling. <laughs> Who's the original dumpling? <laughs> right. right. Um, there's gnocchi. Yeah. It's in, from Italian culture. Couch. Now that's that's not stuffed though. No, that's, that's just, just kind that's of fold, just, folded. Yeah. Little but I guess nuggets. those those are dumplings, aren't they? Um, that you that you drop in boiling water. It's it's very much the same. You, I think. I don't mm. know. I if don't you know. have a, a strong opinion, listeners, about dumplings, let me know. Um, I did want to mention this. I was sitting with your friend Jeff, and we were talking about pierogies. I'm like, yeah, it's like a wet empanada. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, empanadas. Although those are baked, aren't those they? Those are baked. Or well, fried. They're fried. Deep fried, um, yeah. yeah. You could deep fry a pierogi. I've you had sure them. can. I've had them in bars, and they're yummy. The pierogi dough is very simple ingredients. It's just flour, oil, and water. Sometimes there's egg. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's sour cream. Again, variations there, but it's it's not a leavened kind of a dough. You just And you roll it out, and you, and you stamp it into circles, and then you make little purses out of it, and you pinch it. Yeah. And the beautiful little half moons. Yeah. Delicious little half moons. And you mentioned that they have to go through a lot. You have to, they have to survive uh, a boiling process without being, (laughs) without opening. And that they have to survive a being fried up in a pan process. So he, you you made beautiful pierogies. Thank you. John's been very hard on himself regarding the pierogi situation. With, you know, because I've only been making them, it's only my second Christmas in a row that I've, that I've made them myself. Uh, in previous years, I've relied on other people. Uh, most, for, for many years, we relied on our church ladies. My home church uh, had like an assembly line mm-hmm. and it, they got together as a fundraiser to make pierogies. My mom would, would purchase some dozens for me and spend a whole lot of money shipping them out yep. <laughs> uh, to New Mexico. But with, uh, with that no longer happening, mm-hmm. I kind of looked around and looked at all the people who lived in my house 
And I said, guess what? You asked the dog? Guess what? Uh, it's, it's up to you if you want to have these programs. I mean, yeah, there's a market that has a store-bought brand that's made in Chicago somewhere. And they're sure. okay. They're, they're all okay. right. Yeah. But with everything else handmade from scratch, I'm like, well, why don't let's – this is it. This is the last frontier. Yeah. Uh, aside from some of the marvelous baked goods. Yeah. Which I'm, I'll work up to someday. But inside the meal, inside the main dishes and the main um, things that, that uh, go in, inside of the, the courses, let's let's step it up. So, I mean, the difference between the difference between making halupki and making pierogi is still when when I when I when I'm rolling halupki when I'm in the zone there, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about because it's like second nature to me. So I don't sure. have to like worry about the technique. Mm-hmm. I'm making it and I'm thinking about who's coming to my house and I'm thinking about all the wonderful things I have to tell them when they're coming yeah. and I'm putting all this wonderful goodness, wrapping it up in the leaf. Like I'm making this for Sarah. Aww. I'm making this for Laura. I'm making this for Harry. I'm making this for my mama. You know, my mm-hmm. mama taught me how to put all this together. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's like a Zen thing. It's like a prayer. Mm-hmm. It's like an offering. And um, I, I, I just love that pierogies because I'm still like anything can go wrong with that dough. And sometimes it comes shooting out the edge. And I got this, especially with the prune. Now my fingers are sticky and wet and they're supposed to be dry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's So they're little anxiety uh, gifts. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's its own special blessing, isn't it? Yeah. Like. Lot of Don't stress this out, okay? Type yeah. type A guy, calm down. I know. Guys, he had a spreadsheet. He had a spreadsheet. John well, sent me the spreadsheet. No, I You have trust, to have a spreadsheet. Trust me, I get it. I get it. But it's for shopping for ingredients, right? Yes. So yeah, you have to map out just how many darn onions, because there's onions in every dish, right? So how many sure. onions is it gonna what take? What does that make to yeah. get through all those and three barrels. And from year to year, you know, sometimes I forget where I get the best cabbage or from where from where I get the, the wheat berries. Like, did I get those? Did I did I go online for those or did I get oh. them locally? So that also helps me remember to make and separate separate my shopping list for the different stores that I go to. So your type A serves you very well, <laughs> but also finding the rhythm and peace within the process also yeah. serves you well. Yeah. So yeah. Hopefully. I mean, uh, I've I've directed and produced a number of plays. So a number is putting it delicately. So this is this is <laughs> he's underselling. There's it. very much theater going on in this, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a you know when opening night is. Yep. And there's one performance only. Yep. Right? right one night only. And it's all backwards planning from there. Mm-hmm. What's after pierogi? Well, that was kind of because I had uh, two flavors of pierogi and the one was right. a sweet one. That was kind of leading into dessert, right? Yes. So, so that, that was kind of it. Uh, in terms of, in terms of the entrees or, you know, well, (laughs) as if like, well, that was all, it was only three soups, two types of pierogies. Oh no, we didn't, before we got up from the table for dessert, uh, cause the dessert I served as a buffet, we did have one more dish and that was the other like mandatory dish. It's not holy night dinner. If you don't have this, if you don't have this second thing, first of which was Kutia, the second thing was Uzvar. Uzvar. Or Uzvar. I'm not sure where to put the, the emphasis. Accent, yeah. Yes. Um, but it's basically a, a nectar that comes from simmering dried fruit. So you take dried fruit, like dried apples, dried pears, and prunes, and you simmer them uh, for a long time on stovetop. And just the, just the juice from that that eludes into the water. You can add spices, but I really didn't. I just kept it simple. No, it was it was really good. It's very subtle. Yeah, the liquid that you pour off of that fruit and drink it is usvar. Usvar. And that's the drink of the gods. The drink of the gods. So kuchia is the food of the gods, and usvar is the drink of the gods, and that's what makes this holy night supper. And that is the omega, the alpha and the omega. Of, I guess of this of this I guess. meal, but. But let's backtrack and start even before the kutia, before the soups. Your family has a tradition, which every time the hanchars come, we abide by it. Let's talk about how we really kick off 
Holy Night Supper. Yes, uh, this is a tradition that uh, I learned at my father's knee. Um, (laughs) So we often toast our ancestors. We toast our... um, uh, the hard work of the family, the mm-hmm. good health of the family and friends and future uh, successes, etc. You know, if someone's going off to college or if somebody has a big job or um, we toast with a lot of Crown Royal. Uh, so we take a shot of Crown Royal. But first, you have to have your clove of garlic. So you straight up eat a clove of garlic. Raw. 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 Yeah, a raw clove of garlic. Yep. Um, we like to dump. Du- Dunk it into a little bit of salt, which is it, nice. Which is nice. It adds it adds some niceness to it. Um, I've learned to crunch it and eat the garlic over time. I used to just swallow it like a pill. Oh, um, but no, I now I like crunch and sure. eat it. Um, I strangely really enjoy it. I see why my grandfather used to make garlic sandwiches. Straight up garlic. It's and very healthy and, for you. It's so healthy. It knocks out all the toxins and all the all the infection, like all the microbes. In, your, in your throat, in and your it gut. It really is a blood thinner, too. It does. It's for, the, for realties and for truesies. Um, so, yeah, you, t- you eat your garlic, you take your shot. Now, here's the thing. We <laughs> uh, folks often take that whole shot, do the whole shooter, which is fine. Whew. That's what I like to do. But uh, we do toast many things. Um, we didn't toast, if, if it's a smaller crowd or or depending on what's going on, uh, sometimes we toast a whole lot, and my husband didn't know that you could just sip the toast. You didn't have to do the whole shot, but he's like. So after the fifth shot, he, you know, and and the, and the, you're only out on the second course. Yeah, and he's like, "How much?" <laughs> he's like, "I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to drink at all." Um, but yeah, I mean, we toasted when Patrick got the job in Amazon. We toasted. Um, I mean, we'll we will toast. Anything to praise and support and love whatever thing is coming. Um, that's one of my favorite things. Is, is or the accomplishments toast. of the past year. Right? Oh, yeah. The accomplishments of those. So, we toasted the, the chef a lot. We toasted um, the mushroom soup lady, Arena. It's an exercise in gratitude. It is. With a bonus of you get booze. <laughs> yeah, you get your garlic and booze. Now, I don't do the garlic every time. I just can't. There's already so much cabbage happening within me. There's only so many things I can do to myself in one night. Um, but yeah, but that's that is the Hanchar tradition. So if if you ever are with me and I'm having crumb roy and I'm saying this reminds me of Christmas, now you know why yeah. because that's not terribly traditional. But it is it is for us. It's what we've always done. So. No, I think it's I lovely. I think that counts as, a, counts as a course. Does it? Yeah. But okay. there's garlic in it. All right. <laughs> counts as a course. The honey cake, because it is truly, truly delicious. And it's a it's a type of cake I've never had before, honestly. Well, neither have I. This was my first. I mean, it's pretty ballsy to bake something for the first time and serve, serve it, it without ever having tried it before. But, That's true. Yeah. You had no idea. No. All you could do was smell it. Right. And look at it. I mean, it <laughs> the texture, everything, it behaved beautifully. It did. It, during the bake, during the, the batter and the baking, it like all signs pointed to thumbs, thumbs up. This up. is going to be great. And so again, early, all throughout the year, I'm, I'm tuning into this, this Facebook group surfing recipes, looking at things. I think this recipe didn't even come from that group. It may have just, you know, out of, I don't know if it was Epicurious or Bon Appetit, because I follow all those websites. Mm -hmm. But somewhere I saw this title, Ukrainian Orange Honey Cake. Sounds amazing. What's not to love? Yeah. All all four words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, wow, what's in that? And I started reading the ingredients. And it was, um, you know, brown sugar. And it was honey from buckwheat. Uh, you know, honey made from, from, from buckwheat. buckwheat. Buckwheat honey. Yeah. So that's bees that have been chilling with buckwheat. Buckwheat. Okay. All right. And, um, and clove and cinnamon. Yeah. And orange rind and orange juice. Mm-hmm. And coffee. What? Uh, brewed coffee. I didn't know there was coffee in there. Well, now you know. Now I know. Now I know why it was such a good friend for my coffee in the morning. Right. And the walnuts, ground walnuts. Mm-hmm. 
and it and and then the egg you separate because the yolks go in first but then you whip the whites mm-hmm. into like you know stiff not not quite stiff but silky peaks okay and you fold that in at the end to give it the the height so i'm like okay this is a little more complex than a quick bread yep but everything in here i know how to do mm-hmm. and all these ingredients are just rocking my world uh, the really the most challenging part was finding the buckwheat honey. Yeah, and had to go online for that because it wasn't on my grocer's any of my grocer's shelves here. Yeah, you used a, you said you used a lot of that honey, like almost the entire bottle. Yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. two cups. In and the, then you had to let it mature for two days. Yes, uh, there again, putting it into the spreadsheet of my schedule. Yeah, uh, where where am I going to on on how many days out do I have to make it? Because you can't make it the day just the day before. It had to be made actually three days before because mm-hmm. it had to sit for two nights and mature. And mature like a cheese. I guess the best totally, things totally are totally worth it. Don't you think it was totally worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was delicious on day one, but it was outstanding by day three. Yeah. Yeah, and that was that was the hit. Any other stories or fond memories or anything, any passing wisdom that you have for us or why this means so much to you? I don't know. It it means a lot to me for a lot of reasons, and it means more and more every time I do it, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm getting better and better at it. You really are. John is not a, you're not a chef. This is not like cooking. No. It's not your job. No, And not. this is, you do such amazing work. It is truly delicious. And you provide such a loving environment and a lovely home, and it really feels like we're a part of your family. So, well, I mean, I've known you forever, so you so pretty we are much family, we are right? family, and and that's what it was like growing up because it wasn't just blood relatives around our table; mm-hmm. it was family and friends who all really appreciated the meal, appreciated the cook. My mom was a you know put it all together back in the day when she was my age. And we always knew it was a labor of love. And we always knew that it was extra special to get invited to even sit at that table. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a way of me giving back to my dear ones uh, for, for everything they've done for me throughout the year or just for being dear to me. Uh, it's what I have talent enough to do. And I'm glad to do it. It's, it takes several days to get this meal ready. But, you know... That's how people do Thanksgivings, right? Oh, absolutely. They, they cook for days to get ready for Thanksgiving. And, yeah. Um, or Christmas. A lot of folks do a big Christmas dinner as well. Those or Christmas Eve dinner. Those aren't my my. Those aren't those aren't my vibe. Those aren't my. That's not your gym jam. My bliss. My gym jam. Um, this meal is, and I think because somehow I'm connected, you know, mm-hmm. to the ancestors, to the past. Uh, there is. There is. Enough tradition passed on to me, but but the artist is given enough license to make it my own. Yeah. On my own table, on my own terms. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And if I want to take all the butter out of it or put all the butter back in, it doesn't really matter. People come to my table or are going to love it anyway. Yeah. Um, and it is that meditation to start the year off right and to to show my gratitude and use my talents and be creative and um ready to face the world now we got we got 11 and a half more months we can do it we can do it we can do it (laughs) well thank you so much for talking to me about this john i really appreciate it it was a joy and a pleasure and a privilege my gosh i'm on a podcast you're on a podcast oh my goodness no, you are a generous host and a kind friend and a wonderful part of our family, and we're very grateful for you. And um, I, of course, thank you for your time and doing this, and due to all of the cabbage, let us... <laughs> <laughs> I know it's coming. Let, let us sign off with the beautiful, my tradition of musical arm farts. So here we go. One, two, three... Beautiful. (laughs) Great job. Thank you, John. Thank you, Sarah.